0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners, also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today. 570 726 6200.
0: It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's
1: comics.
2: It's the 112th episode of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Happy Holidays, and I'm glad you're listening. This week I've got two great interviews, the first with Chris Doc Wyatt, one of the folks behind Suicide Lane, a great kickstart comic that I really enjoy that was recently released. Then the second interview features the return of Jeff Kaufman, whose latest endeavor is Angel Falling, a great comic that I got to read a while back and you can still purchase. Both creators talk about what they're working on currently, as well as projects they've done recently, so I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. There's a lot to get to, so let's get on with the show. I want to welcome to the podcast Chris Doc Wyatt, one of the folks working on Suicide Lane, a book from Kickstart, one of my favorite companies. And how are you doing today, Doc? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, when. It's good to talk with you. I have been a longtime fan of Kickstart, and I enjoy the book so much, and I'm glad you're getting to work on one of them. Do you want to give us kind of a TV guide version of what the story is about?
3: Well, yeah, absolutely. It was uh, conceived by the uh, actress Alexa Vega, and it's about a uh, character that's, uh, you know, a little bit like her, but is a – Killer, Which Alexa is not, uh, insofar as I'm aware. Uh, but uh, basically, it's about Lane Ramirez, who is she's a young lady. She's very young. She's in her early 20s. Uh, but she is a racer on the motocross circuit and uh, is doing exceptionally well. Despite being the only woman in her league. But, uh, that's, while well, that's her day job, her kind of cover for her other activities, where she's a vigilante by night that <laughs> goes by the name Suicide, a bike riding vigilante who has a revenge mission to, um, to get the people that uh, killed her undercover DEA agent father. Um, mm-hmm. She's got a support team that both serves as her racing team uh, on the racing circuit and also her, um, her support team, you know, for her vigilante
2: adventures too. Mm-hmm. I got a chance to read the first chapter, as I was saying, and I liked it a lot. There's lots of action involved with it, which I enjoy. And I have to say it's always a pleasure to me to see not only a woman – be the main character, but also to be a Hispanic woman to be in a comic book, because diversity in comics is so hard to come by. So I was really pleased when I got to read that and see what the story was about. Did the actress want that to happen? I mean, how did that come to be?
3: Well, no, I agree with you. I think the diversity of the book is a cool thing about it. But that uh, wasn't really on uh, Alexa's mind. She actually first conceived of this character uh, and and created this world as she was, uh, uh, when she was a little girl. She was a girl in the uh, in uh, Robert Rodriguez's Spy Kids movies, uh, oh. and uh, she, you know, the first three. She was the star of the first three, and and uh, was the sort of older mentor character in the fourth one. And she was on set, and between breaks, I mean, she was as you would imagine a little kid on set with robert rodriguez her imagination was fired up and she started creating her own stuff and she created this vigilante female motorcycle racer character and uh you know showed it to to robert and uh he told her look this is awesome you know keep this keep this in a box uh turned out that a lot of the things from the spy kids movies actually had come to robert when he was a kid and he kept all of his notebooks from when he was a kid and he told her that he he sort of goes through them every once in a while to to find ideas that he'd he'd sort of put in there and so she did she put it in a box um you know notebook in a box and um uncovered it uh you know years and years later and uh said hey this this would actually be a pretty good idea for a comic and that's when we started working together on it
2: okay how did you get involved I mean do you know her
3: yeah alexa and i are friends i i'm an uh, independent <laughs> film producer and i first met her on a project called broken hill that we shot on location uh in the australian at outback um mm. and so we worked together in australia and just sort of uh you know became friends uh and um you, you know i've uh i've been sort of working um in um in publishing and in comics as well and uh, so when she had a comic book idea she thought to call me I'm a big comic book nerd from uh, from way back and so
2: we started talking about it oh cool because you know this story makes me think very much of a movie and especially since she's an actress I was thinking this could eventually turn into a film I is, was that something thought the comic maybe first and then maybe examine what it could possibly be a movie
3: uh, well, yeah, I mean it, originally it was just about um, originally it was just about telling the story, but yeah, as we got into it, um we started thinking of it for television and uh yeah we're uh, we're thinking of developing it for television and it was part of the reason we got this wonderful artist who'd worked on other kickstart stuff named tony shastein and he's uh he 's spectacular, and part of the reason we were so attracted to his stuff is because he's Got this kind of realistic, photorealistic, almost style, uh, and uh, so he rendered the character to actually uh, look uh, a lot like Alexis. So we both had this comic that we were developing, and also some images that served, you know, for development purposes on a TV show.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to agree, the art is very strong and it's very clear. Sometimes you buy comics and you're never quite sure what's going on, but the nice thing about this book is that the artwork is very distinct and you feel the action when it's happening. Like when she's writing the the cycles, it's just great stuff and you know, even when they're flipping in the air you can kind of feel that kind of action happening around it. So it really just pops off the page. I like it a lot.
3: Uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about Tony. I've never actually met him face-to-face, uh, but uh, every time a page would come in, pencils, and then inks, and then colors, um, I just wanted to you know, light a candle
2: at the altar of Tony. He's an amazing artist. Mm-hmm. Now, is it Laney or is it Lane? Suicide?
3: Lane. The Suicide Lane is the, that center strip in the road that you can pull into oh. if you want to take uh, – like a like, if you're going left, uh, or if you're pulling into the road and there's a lot of traffic, so you pull into the center lane uh, to avoid the traffic. It's called the it, you know some people call that the suicide lane uh, because mm-hmm. if you if you take that, you might be risking uh, you know damage to your to yourself or your vehicle. Uh, but uh, we spelled it L A Y N E because her name was Lane, and um, uh,
2: the idea was that she she picked it. You know, to be clever. On mm-hmm. one of the pages, and the reason this is why I'm asking is that they, it looks like they're saying the, the crowd's chanting Laney, Laney. And so I was just curious as to was it Lane or was it Laney or how is it actually pronounced? Because one of the terrible things about comics is you can never find out. How things are supposed to be pronounced. You have to sort of yeah. fumble along until you finally hear somebody actually pronounce the names.
3: Yeah, I know so, exactly what you mean. My my growing up, I thought Thor's hammer Mjolnir was pronounced Mjolnir. Uh,
2: yeah. So
3: well, uh, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, no, no, it's meant to be Lane. I think the idea from uh, the person lettering the book was that that was a, you know how crowds can kind of break up a chant. You know
2: mm-hmm. uh,
3: that it was Lane. Lane, like
2: that. Uh, Okay, okay. That makes more sense, because I was going like, is it Laney or what? And that's important to know, because I I, I just couldn't understand why it would be Laney, but that's what they were seen to be saying. But one of the things I really like, too, about the character is that she is not – Uh, too maternal in her perspective a a lot of times when there are women who read comic books they want the lead female to be very maternal to sit down and talk out people's problems and things like that. And Lane is not that kind of a person. I've always felt that that limited female characters on the screen, if they had to be that way, I like that women can be all kinds of different people. Just so like guys, guys can be scientists or, or, or uh, football players or all kinds of people. But it often seems to me that women get shafted on that. They always have to be the maternal, kindly patting people on the head person. But Lane is nowhere near that. That's one of the things I really enjoyed about that when I saw that she was much more of a, of, a, of a diverse character as far as women goes. I was thinking, man, I like that a lot. That's great.
3: Well, I'm, I'm so glad you feel that way. Yeah, that's a lot of what Alexa brings to the table.
2: Yeah, it's so sharp that it works that way. So I, I'm just kind of curious as to – in the first chapter, we get to see several developing things happen, and I really liked it. And I don't want to give away the, 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 the end, but it, there's one part where they discover something that reveals what's probably going to happen in the next several chapters having to do with who's responsible for what's happened to the, uh, Lane's friends and family.
3: Yeah, well, I don't want to give anything away either, but uh hopefully there are a couple of surprises along the way, uh and uh hopefully we get to take people in uh, a couple directions and to a couple locations that they wouldn't have
2: expected from reading the first book. Yeah, it's really good. Now, is this going to come out like a graphic novel as the way that Kickstarter books often do?
3: Yeah, that's right. Uh that's um I mean, I don't I'm not really uh in the room when they make their publishing decisions. But yeah, my understanding is there will be a a trade. Um, I I don't know what size the trade will be published at though, because a a lot of the kickstart books are sort of digest sized, uh, Mm -hmm. but our monthly is, um, you know, traditional comic size. So I, unfortunately I don't, I'm not in the room when those decisions get made. Um, But to be honest, uh, either one is sounds great to me.
2: I haven't seen Kickstarter do a monthly previously, so that's why I'm thinking graphic novel. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. Your lips to God's ears. Yeah, well, the, oftentimes what happens is is they'll if they're even if there's multiple chapters, <clears throat> what they'll do is they'll combine them all into the uh, into the story, and we'll get you know the book will have all the chapters in them. And I just think it's a wonderful thing when they do that. Another thing that Kickstart always does that I really enjoy is usually you will have a self-contained story. That by the time we get to the end of the story, we're getting to a place where it's clearly the conclusion of what's going on. It doesn't mean you couldn't have other stories, but the fact that it is so... You know, it, it ties itself up on many levels by the end of it, and you know that's so unusual in comics today, as as you well know. You have to reset the book so that the book can continue on for ad nauseum. And now, Kickstarter has done that. Are you going to continue that with this one, or have you written a certain number of books so far? And have you written something that resembles a conclusion for this? Yeah, it's
3: uh, yeah, for a hundred percent, it's a it's a uh, four issue um, arc that doesn't, uh, without giving it away, it doesn't preclude uh, additional arcs. In fact, it it kind of suggests a way in which there's another arc, Uh, but it it itself has a beginning and a middle and an end in four chapters. And uh, I also like that about uh, Kickstart's books. I mean, I think that they, um, you know, Kickstart Entertainment is a transmedia company. You know, they produce... Film and they produce television and um, they publish and um, they uh, do digital things that are interesting and um, so they have a lot going on. I think that because they're in that sort of multimedia mindset, they develop things in, you know with stories that have nice round shapes like like movies and TV shows do. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know I, that's something I enjoy. I mean, there's nothing worse than uh, reading a great book that sort of never comes to a satisfying conclusion.
2: Now, one of the things that happens early on in the book is we get to see Lane as a as a young girl, and she gets to see one of her family members uh, something bad happening to the family member. And I'm I'm just kind of curious, was that your suggestion? Was that Alexa's suggestion? Did it? And obviously, that's going to impact the character as she goes forward. was that an important part of the story or was that something that you you two talked about and making happen?
3: No, that was in Alexis' original conception of the character. Um, You know, this is her her sort of Batman moment. This is Lane's Mm. uh, moment where uh, Lane experiences tragedy as heroes often do that send them on their journeys. Um, But the idea is that this is supposed to be a variation on the Batman mythology. You know, Batman also sees... He, um, you know, family members killed um, at an early age, which sort of sends him on a hero arc. Uh, Well, uh, Lane does too, but she doesn't become a hero in the traditional sense. She's uh, on the road for vengeance, and that kind of harkens back to you know, Westerns and, um, you know, some spaghetti Westerns and, uh, you know, other, other sort of, and samurai movies, uh, even like Kill Bill. The idea that this is uh, someone who's on a revenge quest as opposed to
2: a simple hero's quest,
3: um, and, or I should say a more traditional hero's
2: quest. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of interesting to me on, and on that level. It reminds me of Jeff Johns did a book called Batman uh, Earth One. I think it was, and he, Batman doesn't start out. <clears throat> excuse me. Batman doesn't start out as a, a hero. He actually is looking for revenge as well. But as time goes on he realizes there's a need for Batman beyond just his revenge. Is that kind of? I mean, if you were to do more of Suicide Lane, would you want to have her take on other other cases and do things like that?
3: Yeah, I have to be careful about how much to say because we do. <laughs> yeah, because we do have a have an ending uh, at the end of the fourth. Uh, Issue. We have an ending that kind of sets up something, but I don't okay. want to. Uh, I don't want to give it away. Um, but uh, let me say that whether it's Lane herself or whether it's the people around Lane, uh, I think that they could be constrained into larger adventures.
2: Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, don't get in trouble on my account. I always beg people, don't, don't say something that will get you in trouble because I want to see more of this. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing and I want to get more of that. Now, one of the sequences in the first chapter that I enjoyed was that she's done with the public, she goes back, and she's about to take a shower when she gets accosted by men in, in, the, the, in the room. And I guess now these days, it's more multi-sex kind of stuff. You know, men and women kind of shower in the same area these days, it seems like. And she basically proves to them that she's not going to take that. (laughs) And then the best part is when they're laying on the floor bloodied and stuff like that, she goes in and takes a shower like nothing ever happened.
3: (laughs) Yeah, we like like the idea that one of the things about Lane is that she's She's beyond the ability to shock or like. There's there's basically nothing you could do to her to make her lose her cool, to make her um, you know question herself. She's already in a certain sense. Dead inside because of of her backstory and because of what happened to her and that 's terrible for her because she we have a sort of the book is written uh in a certain sense from a, a first person perspective, and we get some inner monologue with Lane and she talks about the fact that she 's She's sort of She's got this darkness inside of her, and she's sort of uh, dead inside, and that's a negative. I mean, that means that she doesn't have much of a life, uh, not much of a, she doesn't have a very rich emotional life. Uh, but on the other hand, it means she's completely unflappable. It means you can attack her in circumstances where other people might feel uh, very vulnerable, and she does not experience that vulnerability. She's beyond vulnerability. She is just um, – she just reacts.
2: Well, it's a really great thing. I, I like about her is that she does that. <clears throat> it's, very different. it's very different from how many female characters are. And what I also liked in the story is that we talked about one of her family members kind of uh, going through a, a bad thing. That person gets replaced by one of the crew that helps her on both of these sides of, the, of her life. And I like the fact that she kind of looks at that person for advice, that she realizes that, that she may need somebody to be the, somebody who can give her better counsel than what she can come up with herself. And I really like that. Is that, I, I like the fact that, that, that she gets somebody who can help her. Because a lot of times, you know, characters in the comics, they never have anybody they rely on. It's always, they, they go out there and they're, they're superheroic. But it was nice to see that she was human in that respect. The, did you guys plan that from the start, or was that in her original notes?
3: Yeah, again, that was in original uh, in Alexa's original notes. Um, the the idea that uh, uh, someone who loses a, a father at a young age often seeks a um, you know a paternal figure, and that you know in Batman that that. To, in some versions of batman that's alfred you know um in other versions it's not necessarily the relationship that they have but um but you do see that um you know with with harry potter it, it's um professor dumbledore you know like the, that yeah. idea that when you've lost someone at an early age you're sort of you know, searching for 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 that kind of relationship in other relationships, you're trying to substitute it, and um, mm-hmm. uh, so the character you're referring to, his name is Donnie Archer, and he um, he's a, sort of an older dude who was uh, good friends with her father and um, sort of raised her from the moment uh, when she experienced her tragedy, and uh, has become th- that sort of a substitute. It's sort of her only connection to uh to human contact uh, in a way. Uh as a side note, the character uh it, it Alexa conceived that character originally it was in her her notes from when she was a little girl, but the character uh, is actually named after a um, a fan of a a Mexican film director named Jorge Ramirez uh mm. who made a movie uh called Maria Navajas Dos and mm. uh, it's an FBI <laughs> There's an FBI character in that that we borrowed the name of uh, from a Mexican gangster movie. Very cool.
2: Now, there's another thing, and if if you guys want to hold off on this one, we don't have to talk about it. But I'm fascinated by the tattoo business that happens with her. Is that something that you would rather hold until people read the book, or can you talk a little bit about that?
3: Um, I can talk about that. Um, Okay. the, uh, The idea here is that she... Uh, she saw the number of people that were involved with her tragedy uh, and uh, she's going to get them. And so she's got a list with five names on it. uh, And uh, she gets a tattoo for each one of the ones that uh, each one of the men that she needs to avenge herself on. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so after, after complete, these men are sort of scattered all over. And so she's Mm -hmm. traveling, uh, eliminating them one by one. Each time she's eliminated one of them, she gets a tattoo. Um, Mm -hmm. So she's basically keeping a scorecard of her kills on her uh, skin. Uh, And when we meet her at the beginning of the first issue, uh, the one that you've read, when we meet her, she's gotten four of the five tattoos she needs to finish Mm -hmm. her mission. And she's looking for the fifth. And that's where
2: we start the series. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Very cool. I I really like it. And of course, it gets to the end and she's basically... Uh, kicking-button-taking names of the first chapter, and I really like that a lot. And it, it, it goes so very strongly. I really enjoy the fact that she's got a supporting cast, including the guy that we talked about. Did Were you involved in the creation of the supporting cast, or were you? was this something that Lex already had together? Because she's got a very interesting and varied supporting cast around her.
3: Yeah, we developed the cast together. Um, that She had uh, the... You know, Donnie's character by another name was in the original notes, uh, and then we worked on building out the rest of the
2: team when we developed it for the comic. Okay, because yeah, I like that. It, it feels very uh, uh, real to me that she would gather these kind of people around her as she's doing things. So I really like that quite a lot. So really good stuff. Now, do you have a release date as to when this is going to hit the the, the stores?
3: Uh, no, I'm so sorry. That's a kickstart question. I don't. Okay. Uh, the publishing
2: stuff, I'm not clear on. Okay, I'll find out, and I'll, I'll put it in here so, so people can go looking for it. As far as like other projects and things go, I mean, obviously, as, as we talked a little bit before you started recording, this was actually your first comic, even though you have been reading them for a long time. What was it like to switch over and start to actually write comics instead of reading them?
3: Well, it was uh, it was awesome. Yeah, I um, it was incredible, really. It was a personal milestone of mine. Uh, I am uh, uh, I uh, have a writing partner named Kevin Burke, and we uh, have uh, gotten the wonderful opportunity to work on a lot of uh, of Marvel animated TV shows. Um yeah you know, we've written for uh, Iron Man Armored Adventures for Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes for Ultimate Spider-Man and and now for the new show Marvel's Avengers Assemble. Uh and for a couple of other shows uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and um uh, Transformers Rescue Bots, you know, a couple of other comic based or comic related um shows and that's amazing because I grew up on those comics and I read and collect those comics, you know, to this day. Um, You know, I'm I'm loving Hickman's run right now uh, on Avengers, Um, though it's very, very different from the show we, we write for. Um, And uh, so in uh, a lot of ways i have been writing and playing in that comic book world professionally in the television arena, but to actually sit down and, you know, to write, you know, you know, panel one (laughs) to write panel descriptions Mm -hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. was really kind of a personal milestone.
2: Cool. Was it easy to do for you since you have this background in, in animation and stuff like that, or did you find it hard?
3: Uh, no, I found the transition smooth. Um, I feel like, uh, in in a certain sense, sequential storytelling is the same, whether it's uh, in motion or, or not. I mean, obviously, not everything's the same. You know, there are things you can accomplish with a motion or with a gesture or with a look that you don't – that it's difficult to – sometimes manifest in terms of panel arrangements but it's also liberating because um you know there's some things that you can hide between the panels that you can't necessarily hide when you're doing a, a, a tv scene if you know what i mean so right. there were i guess certain storytelling modes to adapt to but uh overall i feel like uh you know in a certain sense i've been researching to write a comic book you know for for the last twenty five years of my life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now I got to ask you because you know this is your first experience on, on this side of the page. What was it like when you got the first pages back when you saw your script being turned into artwork?
3: Yeah, I I nearly cried. It was amazing, especially <laughs> especially Tony's art because Tony's uh-huh. art was we I read he'd done a book um, called Witch for Kickstart, which was mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, it was both. Uh, both fantastic because it was well written and also fantastic because of Tony's art. And so I knew, I knew to ex- have high expectations, but then the first page, the first pages that I saw were the first, um, were the, you know, it was the two page spread. There's a double splash page that are pages two and three of the book and uh it uh it was so beyond anything i'd even seen in my head even knowing tony that was going to be drawing it that uh yeah i nearly i nearly broke down and cried i i you know <laughs> ran in and showed it to my wife and you know got
2: yeah. super excited and you know yeah coolness. Now, I don't know if you know her now. What happened when Alexa got to see the, the first page?
3: I wasn't with her. She was on set.
2: Okay. Um, okay. So,
3: I, uh, she she's she shoots a lot. I mean, she's doing a lot of projects right now. And uh, if I remember right, what set was she on? I think she was on the Sin City 2 set. And so, wow. I would get texts. I get a lot of texts from her. <laughs> and uh, the texts were, all, were filled with LOLs and uh, exclamation points and excited
2: smiley faces. So, wow. I think
3: her experience was a very positive
2: one. Very cool, very cool. Because it's a nice thing to start out this way and, and begin your comics career doing this kind of stuff. Because, you know, the, the, the printed page is a little different than the animation on television or in movies. And it's, it's got much more of a dynamic feel to it because you can do these kinds of things in comics. And I know that's one of the reasons why probably you and I have the same expression as far as going like with comics. <clears throat> it's wonderful stuff to see the printed page, and just kind of as Frank Miller said when he read the uh, Batman for the first time, he said, I opened the book and I fell in.
3: Mm, well, and that's a good way of putting that, it, yeah.
2: Yeah, that was kind of what I've had too. So, I guess since you've done this, and, and you, you, you mentioned to me a little earlier before we were recording that you might have other projects as far as comics goes in the works. Can you tell us a little bit about what other things you're working on? You know what? I do n-
3: not know what I can say. I've got two uh, books. Uh, that are in the scripts k stage with two other publishers. Um, I don't know, uh, honestly, what's been announced or what I'm allowed to say, but, okay. uh, one of them, uh, will, uh, kick off, uh, at uh, free comic book day this year. Oh. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, which will be fun. A lot of fun. Really cool. So I'll have a, I'll have a free comic book day book out and it'll be a full, you know, 22 page book. Um, You know, as opposed to sometimes on free comic book day, you get like, you know, five or six pages and then the rest are ads or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Or reprint five or six original pages and some reprint pages or something. But this will be a full 22 page, uh, fully original, fully free book for free comic book day. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm excited about that. And then I got uh, something uh, else that's uh, 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 with luck and with uh, printers schedules being aligned, uh, is supposed to be debuting uh, at uh, Comic-Con 2014.
2: Ooh, oh, wow. San Diego. Well, you're, you're starting at the top, man. <laughs> That's great. It's fun stuff. It's cool. Great stuff. Now, uh, I'm glad that you're continuing on with it, because what I've read of this the, the, the first chapter of, of Suicide Lane, it's great fun, and you balance character and uh, action real well. The two of you do. <clears throat> Some comics don't do that very well. You know, you don't care about the character, so what happens doesn't mean anything. <gasps> Sorry. But I think you guys do a great job with that. It really works out superbly well. And by the end of the first chapter, I'm sitting there going, now what? Now what? i got to get this book.
3: Oh, I'm so, so glad to hear you say that.
2: Thank you. That's very nice of you.
3: Well, I, I think I, I mean, have to put that character
2: balance, I think,
3: comes down to Alexa, really. She's, um, you know, I mean, when... She's a very skilled actress, and when you're a skilled uh, actress, what you're really doing is, you know, thinking all the time about your character and what your character is doing and what motivates your character and and having to inhabit that character, which is something Alexa done, has done, you know, has done very well, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so it's it makes sense that she brings that in to her writing and that she brings that into her creative process um when she's you know in aspects other than acting
2: very cool well it's a great book i enjoyed the first chapter and i'm dying to see the rest so what i'm going to do is i'll keep my ear to the ground and as soon as it comes out boy i'll be after it because i really like the book but it started off really really strongly and i can't wait to see how it concludes so thank you good so job i that. appreciate that wayne thank you yeah so uh I hope that you and Alexa have a lot of good fun doing things in the future i 'm sure you've got other projects you'd like to do and you know have fun with animation and i'll 'll keep an eye out for your name. I do have to ask because I called you Doc so people know that, uh, that why you 're being called that is there Is there a reason why you go by the name doc
3: oh yeah i uh, there are, I, my name's Chris Wyatt, uh, but there are a lot of chris wyatt 's in the world uh the the guy the CEO of Blockbuster is chris Wyatt and Uh, There's a guy down at Riot Games in Santa Monica named Chris Wyatt, and uh, there's a Welsh Union rugby player named Chris Wyatt, and the guy that edited uh, This Is England, that great movie This Is England, is named Chris Wyatt. So there's tons of Chris Wyatts, on IMDb I'm Chris Wyatt 4 of I think like 12. Uh, So Doc was a nickname from uh, grad school at uh, USC um oh. that uh that uh, my friends uh, at school called me so i stuck with it professionally to uh differentiate myself from the other do- for the other chrises
2: that makes sense well i'm going to keep my na- my eyes out for the other work that you're doing, including on animation, because uh, Avengers Assembles on Sunday mornings on Disney XD, and Hulk: Agents of Smash is old well, Ultimate Spider-Man. I'm gonna have to go back and see which ones you've done. And, I appreciate it. Yeah, like
3: old, old seasons are on Netflix now. So um, yeah, Earth's Mightiest Heroes and uh, uh, Armor Adventures, Iron Man Armor Adventures are both on Netflix, and Ultimate Spider-Man I think uh, is too now. I believe.
2: Oh, cool! Well, much success, Doc. I hope that things go very well, and maybe for lucky we'll get to see this turned into a TV show or a movie. And Suicide Lane will, will turn into an ongoing show. I'd love to see that. Oh,
3: that'd be fantastic. Let's hope so. By the way, I should mention that digital book is out through iTunes uh, or iBook, I guess, uh, and uh, a few more sources. So uh, it's a ninety-nine cent download on a couple of different ebook services. So it's there's a great digitally is a great way to get the book.
2: Is that a first chapter or is that the whole book? Uh,
3: no, it's the it's the is issue one, the one that you've got in print. Uh, it's okay. out uh, it's already out digitally uh, and it's cheaper that way.
2: Yeah. You know, and, DC it, does. And Tony's
3: art looks great on the screen. Yeah. On a nice yeah. digital screen.
2: You know, DC does that. You get to double dip that way. You get to buy pay ninety nine cents to see it, and if you really like it, then you go out and buy the paper copy when it comes out so you have one that you can keep for yourself. As in a your legacy collection. copy, yeah. Yeah, I do that all the time, so I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait to see this stuff, but man, Chris, you're doing a great job. I really hope that uh, we get to see a lot more Suicide Lane, and man, I'll be after this book. I appreciate that, Wayne. Thank you
3: so much for your support. People
0: need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but as a symbol get the latest from the comics universe news interviews previews and reviews listen to the weekly wayne's comics podcast so you can keep reading your comics
2: Welcome back to the podcast, Jeff Kaufman, creator of such wonderful things as Terminal Alice and Horror, and he's got a book that came out recently that we want to talk about called Angel Falling. How are you doing today, Jeff?
4: You know, it's funny. I haven't talked to you in about a year, so it's a little yeah. it's a little weird that you and I only get to talk like once a year.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, you need to put out more books, I guess.
4: I, I guess I have to.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, why don't we go ahead and jump right into Angel Falling, because that's out, and I got a chance to read it. And I just want you to talk about that. Give me, give us kind of the TV guide version of what uh, Angel Falling is all about.
4: Well, Angel Falling was a really tough book because it's following a book, you know, horror, which was about a guy who does anything for money. And it was a pretty mm-hmm. controversial book, and people, you know, went a little crazy over it. And my my feeling is my next book always has to be better than my last. Mm-hmm. So trying to beat that book is, you know, it's impossible. So you have to just change direction. And what I did in this book was I did. You know, while all my books have mysteries, this book is about a woman who wakes up in an alley. Uh, no clue who she is, but she's of the most deadly people on the planet. And she's been watched over by a 17-year-old kid with autism who has physical photo memory, which makes him even more deadly than she is. He knows where they're from, but doesn't want to tell her because he doesn't want to go back.
2: Hmm. Okay. And she ends up being called Angel which i think is kind of hence the title of the book and she's kind of interesting she's very much of a of an action heroine but the the funny thing is she doesn't know how she got to be all the the skilled in all these things
4: you you know that's the tough thing about this book because from the normally you figure out by the end of my book that i'm screwing with you but this Mm -hmm. book i start off on page one you know Mm -hmm. i stick this woman half naked in an alley and she has no clue who she is and that's that was the fun thing, and they call her Angel because she has these angel wings tattooed on her back. And Connor touches her back. That's the seventeen-year-old kid touches her back and says Angel, and mm-hmm. you know that's how he—that's how she winds up being called that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was—it was a fun book to write. Mm-hmm.
2: Now we should talk about Connor some too, because he has a special part in your writing and in your life experience. So why don't you go tell people about Connor?
4: Well, Connor Jacobs is, like I said, a 17-year-old autistic kid with physical photo memory. For the last, I guess, six years, people have been asking me to include uh, autism in my books because my son, Jacob Connor, is autistic. And I never felt like I wanted to do a book that, uh, you know, I don't know, it felt like a charity book. Mm-hmm. So what basically happened was is I chose to do a book that, you know, uh, where a character, you don't pity him. Where he's a very strong-natured character, in that you know you you don't you see his autism second in comparison mm-hmm. to who he is as a character, which mm-hmm. is very tough to do. But I think I pulled it off.
2: Hmm. I think he did very well. I really felt for Connor as I was reading the book, and I just think it's such a great story because, I, as always, you always pick topics that nobody else is writing about. And I like that about this book, just like horror was a very different comic from anything I've read, and I still haven't read anything like it. Angel Falling is very much that way, too, is in this, and it focuses largely on the relationship between Angel and Connor. She's frustrated with him sometimes, and he's frustrated with her sometimes. And I just found that, you know, because I found that a very real relationship because of those things. You
4: know, it's interesting because, you know, my, you grow up with a dream that someday you'll write Spider-Man. And Mm -hmm. I wind up writing these other stories. Now I would Mm -hmm. love to write Spider-Man, but in the same breath, if I if I if I can't do Spider-Man or let's say Batman, you know, I'm going to write what I want to write. And Mm -hmm. I I think doing something different in comparison to trying to redo a Spider-Man character. I mean, I've done that before with my with my earlier works, where you know I was basically recreating the characters that already existed. Now these Mm -hmm. characters, you know, might feel like some story that you've heard before or something, but they're all original ideas that I feel good about. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, I think that's your goal should be to give somebody something. You know, if they want to buy Spider-Man, Spider-Man's out there. They can buy it.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, you know, but if they want to buy something that, that's new and has a good feeling and has a good story and a rock star ending, then buy my book. I mean, that's mm-hmm. exactly how I feel about it.
2: Well, I always like that because your stories, and oftentimes, you know, you do in a graphic novel format in which something has a beginning and an end. And if you're buying regular comics, you're never going to see an end because everything has to go on from month to month. Spider-Man and Batman have to come back next month and somebody else might be writing them and drawing them. So you might have to do something entirely different. But with your books, you get to tell a complete story. And that is such a rare thing these days that I really like that a lot.
4: Yeah, I get to read a lot of graphic novels and the worst critique that I got on this book was it felt like a DC book and I was like laughing because I'm going, well, you know, I did have Kevin West, Mark McKinnon, and Tom Cho on the book and this was a nice DC team. I guess it's unusual to do a graphic novel with, you know, three major professionals because most high-end professionals are doing single-issue comic books and I was fortunate that they were able to fit it into their schedule.
2: Mm-hmm. See, I don't understand that because the the story, I mean, you've got a half-naked girl walking around. That, DC's not going to do that. And, and then you've got an autistic 17-year-old. DC tends not to do that either. And, and then it comes to a conclusion of sorts at the end. And I just – I don't get that. Now I mean, I, when I read the book, it was just such a, a somewhere else to be, and I just was lost in it when I was reading it. That's one of the great things about your, your stories also is that it's very compelling, and it pulls everybody in. And so I don't get the DC comparison, except for the fact that these folks might have worked for DC. Other than that, I don't understand it.
4: I think I think when people think of graphic novels, they think of more on the lines of art books, um, mm. catering to uh, either either like just complete violence, or or children. Mm. And I don't I don't write like that. I, I've decided that the, that my style is is what it is, and it's it's you know I want you to be questioning yourself through the whole book. And I want you to get to the end, and I want you to feel like an idiot, because I love when I get to the end of a book and I have no clue what happened. And I know yeah. in this book I kicked you in the face at least four or five times in those last ten pages.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And, and that's so. And I feel bad for people who've read my past books because they think they're going to figure it out. They think they, you know. But I cater my books to, specifically for my past readers, so I, I go out of my way to screw with you, and I, I like doing that.
2: Well, that's the way it should be, honestly. If, it, if I know what's going to happen, what's the point in reading the book? No. You know, no, I, I waste I my time. It's, it's like waste. watching a television show. When I watch TV shows and they tell me exactly, and I can tell you what's going to happen in the last few minutes, I turn off the television because there's no point in that. Because if I know the end, why would I bother to waste my time watching the show? It's comforting for some people to be able to know what's going to happen next.
4: And I don't do it in a way that makes you hate the ending. I do it in mm-hmm. a way that you know you go, Wow, that was I cannot believe I didn't figure that out mm-hmm. and and that's the same with the end of this book, and this book was special because it's you know the main character is my boy jacob you know mm-hmm. i I just uh it's weird because you know Connor and Jacob are not the same people right but it's It's special to me because there's a scene where Connor is sitting next to this boy on a bus mm-hmm. and that and that boy on the bus is my son Jacob. <laughs> it does it, it you know, when I look at it it sometimes brings me to tears a little bit because I mm-hmm. I know maybe you know, the chance of him ever understanding that panel of the comic book well mm-hmm. you know, isn't gonna be that good, but at least I'll understand.
2: Right, right. ah. Uh... It's just because Connor is a very compelling character. He's got skills along the lines of Angel, but and the two of them actually work well together as a team. But I just kind of find Connor is, 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 uh, you know, the two of them are really interesting people to me. You know, you bring a a life feeling to them. You know, they breathe when I'm reading the books, and you start to care about what happens to each of them. There's a part in the book, if I remember correctly, that where they they split up and you kind of wonder, are these people going to get back together again? What's going to happen? You know, I want to know what's going to happen next, and I think that is one of the best parts about the book, is that very soon into the book, we start to care about these people, and we wonder what's going to happen to them, and the end is is a great ending, I just thought. I would never spoil it, but it just, it's a great, great book. I really like the way that it ends, too.
4: Well, thank you, and I, I, this book to me was hard in the sense that I didn't want to – I normally don't care about offending people yeah. and it's because I don't intend to offend you. If you're offended because of something that I wrote uh, because I see things in life and I want to, mm-hmm. sometimes I want to put them in my stories. I don't go, okay, now I'm going to offend you by putting like a severed penis on the, on the mm-hmm. table. I mean, that's silly. You know, mm-hmm. there's no point to that. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I hear people say things, well, you start off the book with her naked. I wanted to give you that first scene where you're uncomfortable from the moment mm-hmm. we start. But mm-hmm. the thought is, it's like, wait a minute, this is just, you know, the first page I flat. And mm-hmm. I want to get going. I, I I don't have time normally when I read to get a 30, 40-page build. Mm-hmm. And, and the comic books aren't meant supposed to be like that. They're supposed to be visual media. And i like to be able to give you that story as much as I can pack into a book. I'm going to mm-hmm. do that. And, until an editor tells me I can't do it, I think I'll keep doing it.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, one of the great things at the very early part of the book is that she's confronted by people on the street, and right away she's able to defend herself, but she doesn't know how, and so we're looking at her through her eyes, which I thought was kind of cool. You know, Most people know what they're going to do, and they, we, they know that they know all this stuff already, but when she actually is able to defend herself, I thought, wow, that's different. I didn't expect that.
4: Well, when I look at things sometimes, for example, Kevin West is a fantastic artist. I, I love his style. I've always, I've always felt that you have to work well with your artist. It doesn't matter how great a writer you are or how great an artist you are. If the two people don't work together, you're going to get a book that doesn't make much sense. And mm-hmm. I'm fortunate that Kevin West, I, I would send him some pictures and he would deliver. Every mm-hmm. page he did exactly what I wanted, what I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't say that I was any more fortunate. Mm-hmm. I love Angel in the sense that she does things in a certain way. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine a life, and this is what it really is. Imagine a life where you wake up and you you know that you're this bad person.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: You know you used to be this bad person. you don't know why, but you keep you have this great feeling that you know you were a terrible human being and you have a mm-hmm. chance to not go back to that person.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, it's yeah. more important to remember or to go back mhm. I think that people's human nature sometimes dictates, you know, what they do or don't do, and your experiences sometimes don't always make you who you are. Sometimes it's just, you know, your your inner soul that defines who you are as a human being, not mm-hmm. how you grew up.
2: Mm-hmm. See, sometimes I think comics are visually dazzling but mentally uninspiring, and for, to me, I like it when you work with an artist. It always feels to me like the two. Hinged together very well. And I have to say, I like you know, Mr. West's art in there. It's very clear and very easily understood, which I don't find in a lot of graphic novels, to be honest with you. I pick it up and I start looking through it and I, I can't even tell what it is he's drawing or he or she is drawing. And so, But your book is very clear what's happening and there's a lot of pacing to it and he, he and you work together real well to make that pacing happen and keep you interested in the book. I
4: was I was lucky because Mark McKenna actually put us together. He's a, you probably know Mark. He's a fantastic, and he's done a lot. You know, he's been around forever. And I don't – the reason why a lot of art and a lot of graphic novels aren't isn't that good is because you can't – the people putting these books out can't afford to use high-end artists. I don't ever want to do a book where the artwork is mediocre.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: You, know, you you may forgive me for a story, but you're never going to forgive the artwork mm-hmm. because that's what comic books are. They're visual. Mm-hmm. It's a visual medium, and if you're using artists who don't understand pacing and they don't understand paneling and they don't under they don't know how to make the right choices because they haven't drawn 100, 200, 400, a thousand pages, mm-hmm. you're going to get what you get, and the reader subconsciously knows there's something wrong, even if the art does look pretty.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But the thing I also like, too, was the, the way that Connor is portrayed. And Angel, they have their very unique appearances. And yet they're, the way that they see each other you know, is just so compelling to me. I, I just kind of, did you have somebody, obviously Connor is, is your somebody. Who is is Angel anybody that you know that you actually you know, make her somebody that you are familiar with?
4: What's funny is I came up with a character in basically the book because a good friend of mine, uh, Claver Moore was the artist from More Creations. It's just C.S. Moore. He's just. I've always dreamed that someday I would create a character that was worthy of one of his, you know, for him to actually sculpt. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about what, and I thought, okay, well, play is a genius when it comes to women. So it's got to be a female character. And there has to be a mm-hmm. defi- defining thing on her. And I was thinking about Kabuki and I was thinking of Billy Tuchi she mm-hmm. And the idea hit me. i go, wait a minute, what about angel wings? The first thing I did was Google uh, I go, well, I, what about angel falling? No, no. How about, what about falling angel? No, that's taken. What about, Oh, angel falling? The main character is angel.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
4: Googled it and it was available and the website was available and the Facebook was. So I realized this was the first time the title had ever been used,
1: <laughs> which is a
4: very hard thing to do when you, when you try to come up with a cute name for a book.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And the minute that happened, I realized I had something mm-hmm. that the face were calling to me to do this book. And that's mm-hmm. the, the idea was just, right. and I didn't want to make her a blonde.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: so the idea of making her a tall brunette, kind of maybe a younger Jacqueline Smith, kind of, mm-hmm. would work. Mm-hmm. And But make her a, a stronger face.
2: And mm-hmm. I think we got it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think so. I really like the character, and I really like... The, you know, the marriage of, of the visuals and the plot, it really works with her. And you know, I have to say, you touched on something that is a, is a thing that bothers me, is I don't understand why more comics don't center around women characters. I understand it's a male audience, mostly guys pick up, but there are a lot of women who buy comics. And to actually have this book's title character be a woman, I thought was a great I mean, man, I was I was showing this to all the women that I know because I was going like, man, you want to read this story. It's about a woman. And they were like, really? Comics don't have stories about women. I said, well, this one does.
4: <laughs> well, you have Wonder Woman, for example, or yeah. Batwoman. You know, those mm-hmm. are the two or are or, or Miss Marvel. And I mm-hmm. don't think it's funny because they don't allow men to write these books because they mm-hmm. believe that men don't have the ability to empathize with mm-hmm. women, char- female characters. I want a strong character. You know, yes, I have her half naked at the first page, but she kicks the crap out of people. Mm-hmm. So you don't feel bad for my characters. And and mm-hmm. from the beginning, when, I always felt my female characters were always a lot stronger than my male characters because in my mind, I don't want to let people down. Mm-hmm. And that's why mm-hmm. Angel works. Angel is, there are times that she does some stupid things. hmm uh, but in the end, I can't imagine that any woman would look at this booking and call, other than to say, "Well, there's there's some gratuitous kind of cheesy stuff in the beginning." Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, which you have to do, people mm-hmm. can say what they want, but you have to give the readers what they want. sometimes. So you have to give men a, a good-looking female character,
1: mm-hmm.
4: and if you and you give the personality for my women readers.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean,
4: I was reading the thing about Batwoman about how people had an issue, the the writing team was upset or something, and and people were upset because, you know, they, they wanted Batwoman to, to get married and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I understand. I understand, mm-hmm. you know, a writer has a vision, but you don't own the character.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: If it's your character, you can do what you want with it. But if it's, you know, if, if the company says, listen, we don't want to get married because we want her to be a free agent. The same reason mm-hmm. why we don't want Bruce Wayne to get married.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could live with that. Mm-hmm. I
4: would write the hell out of Batwoman. I would love to write <laughs> about a gay character and, mm-hmm. you know, so that people could actually feel and see exactly the way, the way I, I would look at a character like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be fun for me.
2: Now, another thing I think that Angel does is she breaks what I consider to be a stereotype. A lot of the women that I know that are interested in science fiction and comics and things like that, they always say that a lead woman character has to behave a certain way she has to be willing to sit down and talk out her problems she has to be maternal in nature she has to be all these things and i've always said to people i said but don't you understand that you're pigeonholing that character you're saying a a woman lead character can only be one way men can be scoundrels and men can be scientists and, and stupid and all other things but women have to be stuck in that one little hole and so one of the things I liked about Angel is that she's not stuck in that little hole. She is a lead character who is something that is outside of that stereotype, and I really like that.
4: You See, the thing about people is, even me earlier on in my career, my ability to empathize with characters was, while I could feel for them, I really didn't really think who they were. I mean, Angel and her past has killed a ridiculous amount of people. Now the amount of desensitizing that happens to a human being after you take so many lives has to eventually affect you, mm-hmm. and that's what I loved about Angel. Angel doesn't—you know—the idea of her being this cookie cutter character never worked for me. The same with Connor. Uh, mm-hmm. I want you to see these characters and believe that they exist, even though they're two dimensional. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And if I don't—if I don't sell you on that, or you at one time you go, ah, "Really, really?" I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm watching, for example, Person of Interest. And I see they're mm-hmm. trying to make this one character, this really tough character. And then they give yeah. her some cheesy lines. And I'm mm-hmm. going, she would never use this cheesy line. Why? Because she doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. She can say whatever she wants and not care about the result because what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. She's gonna, she'll put a bullet in you.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: you know, she doesn't have to come up with a stupid line. She can say something smart and intelligent without it coming off, you know, cheesecakey. Right, right. That's the way I look at it sometimes.
2: Well, that's that's why one of the things I really love when I – as soon as I start reading it, I start saying, okay, here's a woman that I can say. Here's a a, a real live woman, you know, because women in real life aren't all maternal and they aren't all this way. And so to see – and, you know, right away she jumped off the page to at, you know, at me because this was somebody who could be very real instead of just this this fantasy I think it is. There are some women that way, but – I don't think that many women are that way anymore. I think most of them are—they're working and they're doing and managing home and work at the same time and stuff. They've got to be a little more, you know, a little stronger than somebody who 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 doesn't, uh, you know, who, who is that maternal. You know, she, she does have sympathy for people. Angel does, but if she needs to kick butt, she does that, and I really like that.
4: You know, I, I'll talk to you after we get off because I don't want to spoil the ending for people because they're, you know, you're really going to see the relationships at the end, especially. Uh, mm-hmm. I look at Angel as a. You can be feminine. Mm-hmm. The idea that maternal and feminine—you know—that women are, the average woman, there's someone who will have that maternal instinct, of someone who'll kill your car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it's just a—it's just a very silly thing, and I think you have to open yourself up to the idea that. Uh, I mean, Wonder Woman, for example, the reason why they say Wonder Woman won't make it, can't. The, the exact same everyone else say, you know, Wonder Woman's a tough television show right. or a tough movie, and it's true, because mm-hmm. the average woman, whether she likes it or not, is not going to buy a woman walking around in a one-piece bathing suit. <laughs> it's just it's the costume, and then you, when you alter the costume, everyone gets pissed at you.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, look how hard they go out of their way to. I mean, like when they put Robin in the comics in a, in a movie, it's funny because those pants look silly. Yeah, yeah, and so does the Wonder Woman costume with the with the, with the bathing suit. You can't see mm-hmm. an a Amazon woman walking around fighting crime in a one piece, a one piece.
2: Right, right. It's just, it's you... just the way it works. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, what I'm happy about is that Angel breaks a bunch of these stereotypes, which just, it always makes me mad when I see that in a comic, you know, they're, they're, they need to be breaking stereotypes and changing things and, make, and, and expanding our perception, especially women. I just think that does, Angel Falling does a wonderful job of that, and I, well, I was happy to read that. I was, when I got done with it, I was like, yeah, that's the way that women ought to, at least some women ought to be portrayed that way. I, it's the
4: weird that. thing when people talk about women, and I, I'm not a woman. I, you know, I don't know what they suffer with. I, I've had many relationships, but I, I, like I say, I try to empathize with who I'm writing, and I think women characters should just be as strong as women. Don't make, just don't take a man and, and put breath on her. Uh, there has to be more to it than that.
2: Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm.
4: But I, I hopefully, I'm, I'm getting better at it.
2: Well, I think so. I really identified with her, and I really liked her. And that was one of the things I hope going forward, I, will, I hope more writers get to read this and see that you don't have to do a certain thing with a woman, that you can actually make her something, not not to be punny, but broader in perspective, that they can do things, you know, that, that you don't expect. Because most women are not very surprising or very interesting, I hate to say it in comics. But this one, Angel interested me right off the bat. So I hope that more people do that.
4: Well, thanks, Glenn. I appreciate it. It's, it's nice to know, you know, when people... Get what I'm trying to do. And, you know, some people are just entertained, which works for me too.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, well, you have a habit, I know, of when you write a book, you bring a character from a previous book that you've done in there, and that happens in Angel Falling as well.
4: Yeah, that was hard. In this book, mm-hmm. it was harder. And it, I put, I don't want to spoil it, but Jacob Mars from Horror is actually in this book. And mm-hmm. to have, and it, that was probably one of the hardest things to write because I, well, I'm not going to spoil it, but I have to have him do something that he that he wouldn't do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is uh, which is it was a very tough thing to, for me to work through, which mm-hmm. I think it played off perfect.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. But
4: mm-hmm. you know, especially for the people who have read, you know, or you know, like yeah. I, you know, you don't have to read the last book to to like it, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a little gift to readers because if I don't do sequels.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's like when I watch Arrow on the CW. If somebody doesn't know that Mike Grell drew, uh, you know, Green Arrow in the, in the comics, you don't. It doesn't matter to you that they call a Judge Grell, you know. And, right. But for those of us who know that, it's a nice little Easter egg that we go, oh, Judge Grell, I get that, you know. So it, that's the kind of things that you're doing with your book is you're giving those of us who have been around for a that's while a pretty big Easter
1: a Big Easter egg. <laughs> big <laughs> Easter egg you know? Well, you
2: know but, but people don't get that. I mean, I talk yeah. to people who don't read the comics, and they go, Judge Grell, what difference does that make? And I said, oh, okay, you don't know. And then I explain it to them, and they go, oh, well, I didn't know that. And I said, well, yeah, obviously. But for those of us that do, it's fun to see those things. And that's kind of thing. one of your things in your books is as you go along, we get to see these characters pop up in the other yeah. situations. And it's a neat thing to do because, you know, I'd like to see whore uh, again, that character. You know, well,
4: fate uh, to Black Studios, option the rights to whore. So they're, just, they're trying to make it into a television show.
2: And, Ooh.
4: and that would be, for me, there'd be a lot of indication. They always ask me if I want to appear in it, if they make it a television show. I said, yeah, just for like little, you know, like the little Stan Lee moments. But I want to be showing my ass every time I'm on scene. So, <laughs> you know, like I just scream Mars and he's like, who is this guy? And they <laughs> keep showing up. And they're like, and the big joke is this, I'm not moving Mars. I'm moving all the people who give me crap about the name.
2: So it's... uh
4: <laughs> It's it's funny because it's true. All of us have an inner whore. We all, we've all done something for money. We've always, some of us have taken these terrible jobs for money. Mm -hmm. And you know, in the end, it is what it is. And that's that's why I love that book. Uh, Could I write a thousand copies of Whore? Yeah, all day long. I mean, Jacob (laughs) Mars was a character I could write forever. He was just so easy. You could do the most insane things with him. Could I write Angel Falling forever? It's a harder. It's harder for me because I'm more attached to to the character, which I could do sequels if I really wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, emotion, there was a lot of emotional pull off this book,
2: mm-hmm. and I
4: think I think that's why a lot of people, you know, kind
2: of connected with it. Yeah, it, it, but it's great. It's you feel what's happening to the people instead of so you being an observer. You're actually, you know, participating in what's going on emotionally, and that's always a great thing in a comic. I, I don't get that very often.
4: So, well, I'm, I'm glad you did. I know there were some things that people were like <laughs> it, it It's funny because everyone expects the one twist. They didn't expect mm-hmm. to be slapped a couple times.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: That was the fun thing about this book. That was the only way I felt I could go over the top with a book like this, is, mm-hmm. is the ending had to have a couple good smacks where people go, wow, oh my.
2: Yeah, that yeah that's that the whole point of reading is to get smacked around is to yeah. if I know what's going to happen, who cares, but I love nothing better than when a good surprise and I, and when I go back and look and say, "Okay, they foreshadowed this here, but I didn't realize it until we got to that so that that is a great writing in my mind. I love that so much, and i, I again I, I wish television was more like that there's, there's well, oh, so much standard stuff
4: if they let me write you know from from what the guys are telling me, they want me to be involved in the
2: writing, which.
4: You know, I would love to be able to set the, set a show where you know I do that. Mm-hmm. You know I'm able to I'm able to you know write these twist endings at the back of the books where people just go nuts when they go because I I hate these stories where the easiest way to figure out the ending of a television show is when they have a pseudo celebrity in the background like cut Hutt- oh.
2: Oh, I know that.
4: And you're like, wait a second, I know this guy. He's he's like yeah. he's like a big supporting character. And you know his job wasn't just to cut flowers. He killed somebody.
2: That's right. That's right. <laughs> so many shows I've seen that, and movies too. Yeah. Oh, I can't take that. I just can't take that. But I think but anyway, the average
4: human being might enjoy that, and I think that's yeah. probably why they do it, because there's a com- yeah. some people find it comfortable when they know what's going to happen. Uh, I don't particularly like that. I feel I feel it's cheap, but um, if that's what if that's what Hollywood wants, sometimes that's what they get.
2: But you know, they do. They they constantly remake the same plots over and over and over in television shows and in movies, and then they wonder why people don't go to the movies or don't watch the television. Well, guess what? It's dull. Give us something interesting. Don't give us something that's the same old, same old, rehashed. You know, that's the important thing to me. And this is what I, I like about your books, and this is why I highly recommend Angel Falling. If somebody, by the way, wants to get a copy of Angel Falling, how do they get a hold of that now? Is it available digitally? Is um, it...
4: it won't be a- digital till January. It's available January. at you can contact your comic book stores and they can order it if they don't have a copy. Amazon has copies. You can go to Barnes and Noble we'll have them order it, or you can go to our website at bigcitycomics dot com and order a copy, and we'll send you out one there. I would rather people get them at comic book stores, but mm-hmm. um, you know sometimes it's stored and order it. And if yeah. you can't get it from a comic book store, I will figure out a way for you to get a copy.
2: Okay. So they, the, the, the website they can contact you that way.
4: Yeah, they can go to bigcitycomics.com or they can go to the Facebook page. We have a store on Facebook slash Big City Comics, um,
1: mm-hmm.
4: and they'll, they'll. I'll do whatever it takes to get the book into people's hands because <laughs> I, I write them because I want people to read them. It's not about right. the money to me.
2: Right. Well, money is a real concern, though. How much does it cost normally?
4: Uh, the book, the book is 9.99, which is $9.99. Uh, that's a ridiculously cheap book. I like to call it two single issues for free. You can't yeah. get a you can't get a 22 single page comic book for under 325 yeah. now. So if I'm giving yeah. you 100 pages. You know, I'm doing you. Oh. I'm doing right by you.
2: Very nicely done. So I, I highly recommend it. It's called Angel Falling, and it's a graphic novel. It comes from Xenoscope Zenos, Entertainment, is the folks that are that are publishing it. Although the Big City Comics Studios are the you guys are the ones that are producing? We produce it.
4: I, I, yeah. What I do is I've had a relationship with Joe and Ralph over at Vinisco for about three years now. And mm. every June, I give them the completed book. They send it to the printer. They do deal with uh, Diamond Comics. They do it all. And then the book is published. I, I never want to be the publisher again. I just want to produce books <laughs> that, you know, I can respect. I don't <laughs> screwing around with publishing. You know, the therapy I needed from those years is too much.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: okay, now, we were talking a little bit before I started recording about that you have other projects coming. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that so we can be on the watch for those?
4: Well, it's kind of funny. I actually have a children's book called um, Chip and Goro coming out in about uh, three months. It's about a stuffed bear and a stuffed gorilla who live on this boy's bed, and when he goes mm-hmm. to school, they go to school. I, I just can't, it, it's a little weird for me because I've said this a couple times, but. I can imagine the PR when people say from the guy who brought you horror comes Chip and Goro.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> I I just wanted to create something that my kids would be able to read. I have two seven year olds and you know, they'll they'll be in there twelve they'll either be thirteen, fourteen, fifteen before they can read anything else I like that.
1: <laughs> so doing a book
4: that they can actually read is a is a privilege and I had a fantastic artist in Elton Centron who uh, knocked out these paintings in about one painting every week and a half. So it took us about six months to get the artwork done on this book, but it's just fantastic. And that'll right. come out, so that'll come out in about three months. And I'm really enjoying that. And I have two other graphic novels I'm working on right now. Uh, mm-hmm. one is called, um, New Jack about kind of if you put Eureka and, uh, Buffy together, it's about a 22 year old kid who's a deputy who handles all the supernatural stuff in a wild with Louisiana. And the mm-hmm. second book is a little tougher. It's a pa- passion project I've been working, trying to, Get done for the better part of six years. It's called 9/11. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what you think, except it's a it's my take on it. It's the idea that they, it's about a villain and a hero who both had people in the building, and mm-hmm. see how they react and how a country reacts. It's, it's a pretty strong book, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I I don't really I don't think I could have had the how can I say it? Um, I didn't have the strength to do that book a couple of years ago because I would have been too concerned about how it how it came out but I've been haunted by it so I know I, I've got to get it done
2: well I expect that to be another gri- gripping book because I think even this far out from it we're still not over the 9-11 experience so I'm going to be very interested to see how that can be. you may give me a new tradition of what to do on September 11th in the future <laughs> sit down and read uh, that book
4: I, I the funny thing is these stories are all locked in my melon. And they don't go away. So it's funny, mm-hmm. people say to me, well, is it written down? I said, no, it's up there. And it, it keeps, mm-hmm. all these different stories keep clawing to get out. Mm-hmm. And that's why doing the sequel to me is, you know, the sequel is not quality. is <laughs> it, fighting to get out. It's the book that I've been sitting on that I go, oh, I got to do it, I got to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and now I'm going to try to fit two in in a year that I probably don't have enough time to fit one in.
2: Well, it's interesting you say that because. I have a couple of Star Trek scripts that a bunch of us had gotten together, and I wrote two of them. And the first one, when we, we wrote the last word down on the page, I felt this strange rush of feeling. Like, all of a sudden, all this was out of me and onto the paper for the first time. And I was like, wow, that is a weird feeling, I said. But that's probably what you experience a lot. You probably get a lot of that when when all of a sudden it's on the paper, it's a whole other experience than, than having it going around in your head.
4: You know, it's, it's funny, but... Um... I don't know why my brain functions the way it does. You'd have to mm-hmm. talk to my wife. Um, <laughs> I don't get that rush when I finish. I don't mm. get that rush when I doing it. It's like, it's not that I gave birth to something.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: It just feels like, it feels like it needed to be told. And mm. I need you to understand what I was trying to say it's the weirdest thing because when I talk to people about my books, like it's always more important to me to be able to talk to you afterward and discuss everything. Like, so you got that part and what do you think of that? And it just feels like I, I needed to do it. Uh, I needed you to understand it. I, I wish it was easier for me to go, wow, like when people give me compliments on the book, it, it's very appreciative. I, I don't know how to take them though. I, I'm terrible at, at taking a compliment because I don't really know how to respond to it. I, I appreciate it. At the same time, I'm going, well, did you get it? Did the ending get you? <laughs> I'm still wanting to know your reaction to it. Instead of mm-hmm. like, like, oh, I, it's five stars. Okay, okay, five stars. But what, did you get the scene? Uh mm-hmm. It is a weird thing with me. And mm-hmm. you know, someday I'll, I'll get comfortable with it.
1: Uh, mm-hmm.
4: You know, who knows?
2: Well, the thing that it interests me, of course, you have to, when you write the story, then you've got to deal with the art, and then you've got to deal with the publishing, and then it gets to the stores and all this kind of stuff. So you have a, a more involved process than what I went through. All I was trying to do was get on the paper. Once we got it to the paper, I mean, it, this story had been floating around in my head for like two, three years. And finally, when it hit the, the last word hit the paper, it was just an odd experience for me. So, well,
4: It's a relief it's a, it's a, yeah. a lot of times, and I see people, yeah. writers who do that, um, I'm trying to fit so much into such a small life that it, it just, I, I just want to get it out. And I, I mm-hmm. don't, I don't know. I know those people who are fortunate to be able to, that's all they do is write.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
4: I, I have a lot of respect for that because it's, it's, it's a weird dream to be able mm-hmm. to know that what you're doing today, well, I'm writing today. That's all mm-hmm. I've got today. Well, you really, mm-hmm. yeah, And <laughs> it's not, it's not that there's, I, I don't put that down. Uh, I just can't imagine that that could be my existence, especially, let's say, you know, they make a television show. They go, well, he's scripting, he's doing this stuff, but I know I'm going to be fighting to get so many of these different things in. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think a life is meant to be lived, and Mm -hmm. that requires you to try to do as much as you can. And writing is just part of what I do, but it is so important to me to get done.
2: Uh, One last question on Angel Fall, and then I'll let you get back to real life. The uh, what's been the reaction from people who have talked to you about the book? After you, you were mentioning a little bit about did, you wanted to know how people got the ending and stuff like that. What's been the reaction that that people who have read the comic have given you? I, what have they told you?
4: Oh, you gotta say I was really scared on this book. I was really, and that's weird for me to say to people because they don't understand it. But when you put like a year of your life into something, and you depart so strongly from the book before. That your fear is that people are going to turn on you. They want what you did before so badly that they're not going to care or, or like or respect what you did. And mm. I got the exact opposite. Mm. You know, This book had no swearing and no sex, and people just seem to, you know, whore got a, a ridiculous reaction, but people mm. seem to love Angel Falling. They mm. they come to me. They tell, oh God, I, I loved whore and Terminal House was good. So <laughs> funny, Terminal House was good. Uh, but I'd love more, but this book, this was something else, and I'm like, oh, wow, you know, that was good, good. Then I I know that I can, whatever I do next, you know, that my choices, I'm making the right choices and I, you know, my stories aren't limited to, you know, uh, penis and fart jokes.
2: (laughs) Well, keep up the good work because all the books of yours that I've read have been great fun and, and definitely worth the shekels to put down to get. So if People out there have not yet gotten Angel Fallen. Go to your local comic stores and get them there. And if you need to approach Jeff, go right ahead and do it. I highly recommend it. It's such a great book. You will be engrossed in it once you get started like I was until you get to the end. So, Jeff, it's good to talk with you. you know, Much success going forward. I can't wait to read your new stuff coming.
4: Oh, thanks, Wayne. It's always good to talk to you. No, it's only once a year.
2: Yeah, well, we'll have to do something about that.
4: (laughs) I'm at a lot of conventions and I do drink a lot,
2: but okay. Uh... (laughs) Okay. And now it's time for my yearly holiday tradition, the playing of Twas the Dark Night Before Christmas. This video is actually available on YouTube. If you go to that site and look up Twas the Dark Night Before Christmas, you'll find it there. It's from the folks who do I'm a Marvel and I'm a DC kind of videos. And there are plenty of them. I think this is one of their first ones. What you really need to know is that there are three voices. The first one is Alfred. Second one, of course, is Batman. And the third one is Santa Claus. And it has an interesting holiday message that I like to communicate. So without any further ado, Twas The Dark Night Before Christmas. Twas the night
0: before Christmas, and all through Wayne Manor, not a sound could be heard, especially not laughter. There were no stockings hung, and no tree filled with lights, not a single Christmas decoration in sight. Master Bruce in his costume, and I in my robe, were up late, on the lookout for evils unknown. I missed Christmas, but he said he didn't have time. None at all, ever since the tender age of nine. It saddened me, watching him year after year, never taking in joy, only dealing out fear. I say, sir, I pleaded with all of my might. Master Grayson is having a party tonight. Master Drake and Ms. Gordon are sure to be there. Why not leave this bleak cave and enjoy some fresh air? I've outgrown Christmas, Alfred, he answered each year. You can go if you want to, but I'm needed here. I sighed and walked upstairs to turn off the lights. Merry Christmas, I said. His reply was, good night. I walked up to my bedroom, got under my sheets, and prepared to drift off into sweet, peaceful sleep. Suddenly, a noise woke me up with such a clatter, I ran to my window for more on the matter. And what should my wandering eyes happen to find but a man in a sleigh with eight reindeer—no, nine! I was off to tell Master Bruce what I had spied. The fat man in the sleigh was in for a surprise. But it was my surprise. He had beaten me there. Just how fast was this man who could sled through the air? who are you master bruce yelled demanding to know the fat man's belly shook as he laughed oh, oh, oh. don't you know he asked giving his heels a click santa claus father christmas chris kringle saint nick the batman moved slowly not wanting to harm him right santa let me take you back home to arkham but the man disappeared. He was gone in a flash, leaving only some traces of old soot and ash. Suddenly, he was back just as soon as he left. This man was indeed quite fast in spite of his heft. I've come here in peace, said the man. Have no fear, Batman said. Then explain to me why you've come here. The jolly man laughed. Christmas time is at hand. I bring gifts of joy to everyone in the land. The good people come to me with their requests for their heart's desire, and I do my best. I need and want nothing from you, Batman said. Go and take to the streets of Gotham with your sled the man in red snickered and gave him a wink the person I'm here for is not who you think I've no gift for you though you've done much good it's true but the present I'm bringing tonight well is you for when it comes to Christmas you just disappear and you leave behind all of the friends you hold dear Bruce said hold on a minute now that isn't true I give plenty of presents at Christmas I do Gifts of cash, food, drink, clothes, anything I can find. So then how can you say that I leave them behind? (sighs) Giving gifts is something for which you've had a knack, but the spirit of Christmas is still what you lack. Your gifts are all sent, none given face to face, and you've never even accepted an embrace. If you're given a gift, you just turn it away, denying your friends what their hearts want to say. I know all of their feelings, and they all know mine. Gifts are simply a symbol for which I've no time. Well, Christmas is a time for which I've always felt. Allowing others in. Let your defenses melt. My defenses are fine. Batman furrowed his brow. It's just a sign of weakness to let them go down. Santa sighed. I have never, as long as I've lived, had to teach tis better to receive than to give. I came here to open up your heart and your mind. You're determined to keep them both closed up, I find. You're just too filled with anger and pain and regret. Probably about both of your parents, I bet. You'd tell them you love them if you could somehow, just like all of your friends want to tell you right now. Oh, the gift of allowing love to be expressed is one of the greatest gifts that one can get. For the past is behind us, the future unknown, and the moment is all that we have to call home. And so, now I leave you with this to think on. And with that, this Saint Nicholas fellow was gone. The master was silent. He was lost in thought. I wondered if this was what that fat man sought. Alfred, he said sharply, giving me a fright. You mentioned something about a party tonight. Soon we were dressed and ready and out on our way. Surely this was a miracle one had to say. He had come bearing gifts and was going inside when he stopped to look up because he had spied... That Santa Claus fellow! I exclaimed in the dark. Master Bruce simply smiled, looked up, and said, Thanks, Clark. And I heard Batman say as he walked out of sight, Merry Christmas to all. Well, at least for tonight.
2: May you enjoy whatever holidays you celebrate this year. So happy holidays. I'll be back next week with more interviews. But until then, keep reading your comics.